as like a bad kid or something. But I went, there's a point to my story. The singing blew me away. Because when you don't know church and you don't grow up in the church, I don't know if it, when you grow up if it's normal, but when you don't, singing, not, it's not a, like a normal thing unless you go to a concert. But then you're singing like someone's songs. But these songs that like people are singing like from their heart and declaring these things about life and God and eternity, it's sort of, it's, it's, um, it's very powerful, but it's also a little not normal. And I remember being like, dude, that's kind of weird. And then I, it was one of those things I was like, do they really believe this stuff that they're singing? And then as years go on in my life and God has drawn me to himself, I'm like, dude, I really believe these things that I'm saying. Even if like my week didn't dictate, some, didn't, didn't like come to pass some of this stuff, like sitting here and like singing, it's something's powerful. The, the, the Bible talks about, about saying things out loud, declaring over yourself, over the world around you, these truths that we're singing. And, um, and then just kind of like that, I don't know if you noticed, but that last song, it's like where you're coming back to kind of the, the brass tacks of like life, the heart of worship is just that it's about Jesus. And it's about like what, who he is, not what we do. And um, so it's just powerful and, and I love it. And it just sets my heart right. Uh, even if I don't feel it, just by faith, I'm just like, all right, I'm recentered. Thank you, Lord. Now let's roll. I have a message this morning. I'm going to give you the title first, and then we're going to read a long passage. But I think giving the title first will help understand as we do this. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what I'm calling the in-between time. The in-between time. If you have your Bible... Open up, please, to Genesis chapter 17. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. So there's some on the back table. Um, you can grab one now. You can grab one after church. I know that you can download them on your phone and stuff, which is rad. But um, you're going to want to have a Bible after today's message. I want to read Genesis chapter 17. Before I do, let me set a little bit of a backstory because we're going through Genesis and we're kind of taking some pretty big chunks. Here's the, the backstory. Abraham, Abram is his name today. I can finally stop messing up his name because today he gets renamed. So now I won't mess up anymore. Abram has some pretty amazing encounters with God these encounters with God that were just like, wow, is that, is that real? Could that really happen? But actually the Bible is full of people having these encounters with God. We love these encounters. We want to experience them, don't we? Where God shows up and he's like, JJ. And I'm like, God, <laughs> what's up? And then he says, he declares some great promise over your life. And, he's, and then he says, this is who you are. This is what I want you to do. I want you to watch out for this. I want you to watch out for that. And he like lays it all out there. And we're just like, boom, got it. Glorious. 
glorious. That's probably what you'd say. It's a weird word, but you, you, glorious. That'd be like the dopest thing ever. <laughs> See, we read these accounts, and we're like, dude, that's what I want. The Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament, where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John high up on a mountain, it says, and it says, and there he was transfigured before him. It was something like out of the movie Cocoon. For anyone over 50 has seen that movie? Okay. 45. But it's just something like Jesus in, in his flesh, in his humanity, in his 100% manness was able to somehow peel away, allow what he, he was veiling his glory. He was always God, always eternal, always all-powerful, all-knowing. That's who Jesus is, but somehow he kind of let that, let his glory shine through, and Peter was like, like the, this, this moment happened, and they were like, this is glorious. It's a, can we stay here forever? But Jesus, they had this moment. They saw God in all his glory. But you know what Jesus did? He came back to them when it was dark, just him in his 100% manness again. And then they went back to the city where they served. And eventually he would be put on a cross and die for the sins of humanity. We love these mountaintop stories, but the reality is most of life is lived in between these moments. We pick up Abram's story in chapter 17. I want to back it up one verse to the end of chapter 16, and let me read this to you. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. You guys remember that from last week? When Hagar bore him Ishmael. Okay, it says, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now we move into chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. That is El Shaddai, which we talked about or we learned about. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you. And between, then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Real quick, I want to read the whole chapter, but I went back one verse. Did you see why? Anybody catch it? The last thing it says when when Abram was 86, and then the first thing it says in chapter 17 is when Abram was how old? 99. 13 years. Not even covered in a verse. God had just met with them. All this stuff had happened. God's going to meet with them again. Say some, A lot is about to happen. A lot. Not just in Abram's life, but in Sarah's life. Not just in Abram and Sarah's life, but also in Lot's life. Do you guys remember when Lot was, had, he was living towards the city because there was a pull, there was a draw, 
and then the, the kingdoms went to war with, one, with each other, and Abram spent all that he had to go and rescue his cousin, there's a lot about to go down in these next few chapters. But 13 years happens to us, it's like that. But it wasn't like that to them. We're going to talk about probably what those 13 years and what many of Abram and Sarah's years were like. Because we get like the greatest hits. But life, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's more than like that black and white photo. There's a lot more color to it. So let me keep reading. So God speaks to him after 13 years of silence. There's there's no recorded word given to us in those 13 years after uh, Abram and his wife decided that they would fulfill God's promises their way and they brought in Hagar and had Ishmael and just like that whole debacle. So he says, Abram waits another 13 years. I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Verse 3, Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, circle as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be Abraham. The change of name is a big deal in the Bible. Abram means honored father. Abraham means the father of many. How many see the father of uh, at this point with Sarai, the promised one? Zero. Oh, it's like God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. In between. You know, we live in a time that's moving so fast that we're told don't post your whole sermon online because people will only watch two minutes of it. That's actually probably pretty true. But I also know that people have a long attention span because we watch a lot, we can, we can stay tuned in to things that we're into. But life, it's just like so fast. And so we live in this tension of how much of our stuff do we cater for people's attention spans? The algorithms and the videos that we make, do a short post. When you do your reels, make them this long. Do this, do that if you really wanna grab people's attention. It's like things move so fast, how much should we cater our world to maximize people's attention spans, or how much should we be like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do this, and, and, and people can kind of get with the program or whatever, you know what I mean? How much are we gonna like say, no, we're doing this, and how much do we cater to the way that culture is moving? 
but it's just the reality is stuff's moving quickly. There's a, but in between these moments, they can, when life moves so fast, it can just be about getting through this time. That's what I was thinking about. We want to like this in-between time where stuff's not popping off. It's just time to get through. It's a season to get over. But the reality is for the Christian, I'm going to speak to some believers right now. And then I'll talk to those of you that don't yet know Jesus and are walking with him. Here's what being a disciple is. It's about the in-between time. Because it's in the in-between time that the world wants to get through that you're actually growing. It's the in-between time that we talked about a few weeks ago where we're talking about our aim, that we worship what our lives are aiming at. It's the in-between times that show what we're aiming at. There's nothing worse for our souls than to be aimless. You ever been aimless? No direction? There's no... You're like, where am I going? What am I doing? You become so inward focused. There's no direction. That's when the in-between time gets the best of you. But God has purpose in the in-between times. That's what I want to talk about. Because we're going to look at something that God does with Abram this week. And then next week, we're going to look at what God, what happens with Lot. And we're going to see what they did in the in-between times of their life. When God spoke to him on the mountain, did some big thing, God's going to arrive again, say some stuff, and Abram and Lot are in very different places, and we're going to see that they got there on their own accord of where their hearts were aimed and what their, um, like what the posture of their life was in this in-between time. There's a lot of words in these next couple of chapters, and what we're going to talk about is under the surface because we're looking at motives we're looking at intent. We're looking at what someone purposes in their life and in their heart, what they're going to do and who they're going to be. Because I believe the in-between time is not just part of life. It is a necessary part of life for followers of Jesus. Because in it, we're being shaped and pruned and matured. Maybe jot these things down or think about them. The in-between. It's the place where rearranging happens. It's the place where refinement happens. It's which we'll see. It's the place where growth happens. How do you get wisdom? Knowledge put into practice. See, there's a difference about knowing and knowing why, because you've either been through it and experienced it, you're not going down that path again, or you've learned from someone else. So you can know a lot about God and not know God very well at all. You can know a lot about a subject matter and yet not be familiar with its inner workings, how it works. It's where wisdom happens. The time in between turns us into the people that we are becoming. It's the shaping time. That's why aimlessness is so harmful. A couple of things about it before we look at it 
with Abram and Sarah. It's always easier to see what someone else is doing or what the in-between time looks like in someone else's life than your life. You ever look at someone and be like, they're a mess. They're going through some stuff. And it's visible. So you can decide whether or not you want to judge that person or whatever. We live in a world that does this. They see someone and then they just make judgments about that person. Um, it's easier to see on someone else, or it's easier to see when someone's growing. Someone's getting, you're like, dang. Or, it's like when your grandparents looked at you as you were growing, or someone, they haven't seen you in a while, and they see you, and you're like, whoa, when did you grow up? They hadn't seen you for a while, and then they see you. Look at the growth that has happened. When someone's learning a skill right in front of your face and, and you're like, man, they're really getting it. It's easier to see in someone else than it is to see in yourself. For better or for worse. You could be on a slippery slope, little bit of compromise, little bit of this, little bit of that. People see it before we do, but we will end up at a place where we're like, dang, how did I get here? But it's the same on the growing side. The in-between time, we're making choices, you're making decisions, you're doing stuff that allows you to be in this place where you're like, I'm growing. I'm recognizing God's voice. I'm understanding what, is, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I'm understanding that what might work for that person as far as a career choice or how much money they make or where they go on vacation or what they do, that's not my path. God has me here. This is what I'm doing. It's we, we grow into these places. It's easier to see in someone else than it is in yourself. Okay, this week, Abram and Sarai. I love what this, comment, this one commentator that I read sometimes, he said this. Abram was becoming a great man of faith. But you don't make a great man of faith overnight. It takes years of God's work in them. Years of almost mundane trusting in God. Perhaps interrupted with a few spectacular encounters with the Lord. We've said a few weeks ago, Ted said it, I guess it's been a little while ago now, but he talked about faithfulness is, anyone remember? A long obedience. A long obedience in the same direction. Just faithfulness. We're just going. That's what's being talked about with Abram. He's this father. They're gonna, a nation's going to come through him. He's got zero kids. He's 99 years old. But he keeps going. He keeps putting one foot in front of the other. He doesn't just sit and wait for the world to pass him by. He's just living. I want to look at this statement that God said to him in chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. That's an I am statement. You see, it's cool. Underline it. Jesus said, makes seven I am statements in the book of John. 
they all go back to something. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and life, he's declaring something about himself that the Jews would have known very well. And they go back. These are I am statements that God made in the Old Testament. That was for free. I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, the all-powerful one. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. I want to submit three heart postures this morning that Abram had put into practice in his own life. I call this in the Tuesdays of our faith. Not on the Sundays where we're like together, our hands are raised, um, where we're like, God, yes, you're right, I'm coming back to that. But on Tuesdays, when you're just like, oh, my job is driving me crazy. Or this person, fill in the blank. But just the everyday things of faith, I believe that, that Abram and Sarah both show us some cool stuff. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I just think that, that there's a word right there for you and for us. What does God have for you in this next season of your life? Because he's going to, right here, he's going to, you know what's coming next in the scripture. Abram's going to be circumcised when he's 99 years old. And then all these men, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And you're like, well, that took a right turn. (laughs) Like, what the heck does that even mean? But then there's a promise, and then, and then God's going to speak to him at the door of his tent, and then he's going to declare again something else, and then he's going to look over and see Sodom and Gomorrah and what Lot's up to, and he's going to be like, I'm going to go check it out because these cries have come up before me. This is what all is happening, and you see where Lot, which we'll look at next week, what the postures of his heart were that he ended up in this place where he had to be rescued from God's judgment. So what was it that Abraham was at? I believe this is a word. Walk before me and be faithful. Actually, it says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The way you interpret that will say a lot about how you live your life as a Christian. If you think that God is saying, walk out in front of me and be blameless, don't screw up, that will, that will give you an aim in a heart posture that is askew. Like God is watching, going, yep. That's kind of what I figured. (laughs) That wasn't bad, but my son can do better. (laughs) That was a Jesus joke. But actually, that's not what it means. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless means this. Live in front of me. First, he declares who he is. I am. So he's like, I am the all-powerful one. I created all things. He knows all things. He's the top. There is no greater than God Almighty. And then he sees Abram just right after some life mistakes. And he says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. This is a declaration. He's like, walk before me openly. It's like when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's an openness. Walk before me. Just live your life openly. This is your manner of life in front of with an openness, like you have an audience of one. 
and be blameless. He's not saying, and fix yourself. And he's like, and this is how I see you. You will be whole. You will become whole. You're going to grow. You're going to be complete. You're going to have wisdom. You're going to have right standing. He's basically, he's just like, just live before me, and this is who you are. It's a beautiful, actually freeing way to live. It doesn't excuse mistakes, but it's just the way God looks at you with blessing and not like waiting to like stomp on your head. But he's waiting to lift you up. He's waiting to breathe promises over you. He's waiting to like... The Bible says that God has dreams for your life you couldn't imagine. Like he like thinks about you and goes, oh, dude, that would be so amazing. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll blow them away. Don't tell them. I'm already doing it. Like right now, it's all ready for points. You know what I mean? Like life, it's already, it's already counting. That's what he's doing. All right, three heart postures that Abram and Sarah modeled to, keep our, to help us keep our hearts and lives aiming in the right direction. The first one is this. They had a heart posture of being set apart. They were set apart. We know that because God is going to ask them to be further set apart. But they were, when God spoke, they listened. They had an aim, a direction of life. Let's continue in our text here. So remember where I told you to circle where God said, as for me? It's kind of like his part. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay? Now check this out. Verse 9. Then God said to, then God said to Abraham, as for you. So you can circle that. So now Abraham's got a part to play in this walking before me thing. So he's like, now as for you, now don't get tripped up on all of this wording and what it is, because it is a little weird. You must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So circle sign of the covenant. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought in with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with money, they must be circumcised. Don't have time today to go into if there's triggering about people bought with money from another household because it's a triggering thing. But I'll just say this. And I've, I've heard it, and it almost seems like it's passing it over too easy and not giving it enough time. This is not like the practice that is just abhorred in the world of owning people. This was like people with lands and cities and with means and wealth. People would serve and they would pay. So it's a better translation. The people that you pay to serve you, uh, I think I explained it a little bit people who do it a free will because here's why they're to get circumcised too it's a willing act and so it's not like you're going to force people to do something it's like they have to be like what really 
okay. There's a, there's a willingness to the whole thing. So I know that like wording like that, it's like, ah, oh, man, that's crazy. But it really is different than like the practice that we went to the Civil War over. Continuing, my covenant in your flesh is to be, my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, ladies, listen up. As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will also bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, so here's the life of questions like we talked about a couple weeks ago. If Ishmael might live under your blessing, then God said, yes, but your wife will bear you a son and you will call his name Isaac, which is dope because it means laughter. And we'll talk about Isaac probably starting uh, in two weeks because Isaac's life is really, really rad. And it says, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his, decision, for his descendants after him. All right. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. Um, this covenant was, had a physical aspect and it had a spiritual aspect. There was a sign. This is what I want you to do. And there was a response. This is what I'm going to do for the people. So this is something that Abraham did, not God. Something Abraham and his household did, all who were willingly under his headship and lordship. There was going to be a new nation of people. They did not previously exist. There was the land of the Canaanites. There was the Egyptians. There was all these different people. There was going to be a new group of people that were going to be known eventually as the Israelites. Israel is the name that will be given to Isaac's son, Jacob. His name will be changed to Israel. From them will come the Israelites. It all goes back to Abram and these promises to Abraham. There was going to be a new people. How would you, this people was to be set apart for the purposes of God. What was the purpose of God? To bring forth Jesus. That's the purpose. But these people were to be set apart. Now he's like, I want you to physically be set apart. And this was the physical sign that there would be like something that set people apart physically. It was also a spiritual thing. There was, you can go into, and I've heard the funniest sermons on stuff like this. It's like, there was just a cutting away. And yeah, there was. But you get to the New Testament, and the idea is that there's a cutting away of something that we grab our own identity from, that God wants to uh, bring his identity and his plan. These are the people who would be set apart from God, 
These are the people who God would work through. These are the people that God was partnering with. Here's what happens when we have a posture of being set apart. God speaks to us. Now, I study all week and I prepare, but here's my belief. That the words that I put together and pray God would, is going to speak by the Holy Spirit through the word of God to your life. And I believe that when we have these moments where God speaks to us, that's his part. He does that. He shows us himself. He changes the way we think. He changes the way we see. He changes the way we perceive. And then what we can do is we change the way we live. And then the actions of our lives show the beliefs of our lives, show the beliefs of our life. That's what James is talking about with the whole faith and works and all of that stuff. It's like the way you live shows what you believe. So Abram believed God. That very day, they went under the knife. They put into practice straight away what God was leading them to do. The idea is that it was to be a visible reminder of who they were. It was actually supposed to be a humble thing. Unfortunately, sometimes the work that God does in our lives turns out to be a point of pride later in life. Fast forward to the New Testament. Past the book of Acts where you have the epistles, these letters that the Apostle Paul writes to churches. It's crazy how much time he spends talking about circumcision in the New Testament because it had become a point of pride. This is who I am. This is who we are. We're the circumcision. We're the, we're the set apart. It became like, instead of a point of humility, it became a point of pride of being better than everybody else. So much so that Paul says uh, in several places, um, he's like, we don't put any confidence. He goes, it doesn't, circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter. What matters is, has God done that work in your heart? That's where we stand. There was a posture of, God, I want to be set apart for you. The second posture is this. There was a posture of looking out. Skip down to to chapter 18. Of looking upward, excuse me. Let me just read the first couple verses. Chapter 18, then the Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abram looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. A posture of looking upward. Posture of being set apart. There's a posture of looking upward. You read these verses... And then the ones that you just skip over tend to be the ones where there's like some real underlying meat. It's the in-between time. This was uh, after the covenant and before what's coming next. This is just this in-between time. What was Abram doing? Sitting in his tent. Why is that important? Well, we're going to find Lot next week. He wasn't sitting in his tent 
He was sitting in the city center of Sodom, which means like he was involved. He wasn't just like hanging out. We're like full-blown compromise, living in this way, couldn't be more worldly, so much so that his wife, as Sarah believed, and she brought the blessing of Isaac, Lot's wife turns back and dies, longs for what she's leaving of the world. Lot's going to be in the, city, the, the center of the city. Abram is doing what God told him to do. Don't get too comfortable here. He was living like he was on a camping trip. He was sitting in his tent. And it says, and he was looking out, and he was looking up. From this place called Mam- Mamre, Mamre. He had good mammers. You know where this place was? This was the place that Abraham went after he went to Egypt and told Sarah, hey, pretend you're my sister. Do you guys remember that whole deal? And, go, and, and they were like, what the heck? And we were like, what the heck? And then God says, go back. And he went back to the place where God last spoke to him. This is where he went. This is where he had been the whole time, those 13 years that God hadn't spoke when his heart posture was like, God, I want to do what you want me to do. You said we're going to have a kid. We'll try to figure it out on our own. That didn't work, but he stayed, and he built an altar, and he looked out of his tent every single day, and he was just trying to be faithful, like God said, walk before me. Continue in this way, and watch what I do. He was, this is the place that when his wife will die later on, he goes back. This is like... The, this is like um, This place is important to him. It's important to their family, important to their heritage. This was the place that God like spoke to him. And it was the the word Mamre means the grasslands, the grazing zone. He went out to Laurel. You know what I'm saying? Not in this, not in the, he was just out. He was, he wasn't like the center of attention. We look at Abraham, we're like, dude, Abraham was the man. No, he's just a guy trying to honor God with his life, trying to believe God's promises for his life and for his family. If you told Abraham, dude, this, the people are going to be talking about you. They're going to be like, all of this, as he's trying to like feed his sheep some more, he'd be like, makes zero sense. But God works through like the simple places the simple hearts that are postured upward toward him. Does that make sense? He was in the grazing land. What does this tell us? You don't have to go to a certain place to connect with God. You can connect with God where you're at. I know a lot of us think, and we're programmed by our culture, to think like this. If I just had, then I would. So just fill in the blank. It's operating from the heart posture of more as opposed from the heart posture of enough. God loves to operate from someone who has the heart posture of enough. This is, I'm, I'm good with where the Lord has me. I'm just going to be walk before me faithfully. Serve me faithfully where you're at and watch what I will do. I want to encourage somebody today. It's not about getting to where you think you need to be. It's about sitting daily 
and just looking up. God is speaking. In the in-between time, he's doing something, but we can miss it if we're just trying to get through something as opposed to learn what we're trying to learn something in it. The in-between time matters. This is the posture of someone looking upward and longing upward and realize that they are being shaped. They are being matured. And this is someone who's learning to recognize God's voice. That's what I want for you guys. Like, I want our church to be awesome, and it is. And as we're looking forward to the new year, like, you know, Caitlin talks about, like, she was talking about the nuts and bolts. Here's our giving statements, right? So we're going to share with everyone, and we'll have a meeting, and we'll talk about, here's how we spent, how we steward all of our resources in 2023. Here's how much money came in. Here's what we did with it. We want to honor God with these things. Here's what we'd like to do in 2024. We want to, we're doing this stuff as a church. This is what we want to be. But this is what we want for you. When you go back to whatever it is that you're doing this week, is like, I want nothing more than for you to wake up on your Tuesday. And however you do it, and sit, set aside some time where you're at the door of your tent. You don't have to set up a tent. And the Bible says if you're, you don't have to get circumcised. But there's this heart posture of being like, Lord, here's where I'm at today. I really want to be set apart for your purposes in my life and in this world. I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to me. And then you go forward throughout your day with the faith that God is leading you. He's working all things together for good. And then you watch over time and people say stuff like, that's a woman of wisdom right there. That's a woman of faith. Hey, why do you think, what do you think about this? Wow, why do you think that? God's working all that stuff. The last one is this, the posture of looking forward. There was twice in there where it says, the generations that will come after you. The posture of looking forward is this. It's living with the, with the faith for what God can do. Not just for what he can do, but what he will do, because the scripture says he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those who have this posture that we're talking about. God will work all things for good, even when you can't see it. Like he legit was 100 years old. And Sarah was legit 90 years old. When she laughs, God goes, why are you laughing, Sarah? And the, she's like, are you for real? You, she's like, I've been wanting this my whole life. And now when I'm nine, you're going to give me the, she's like, it's, it's impossible. And God kind of rebukes her a little bit. He wasn't like, oh, it's okay. He was like, why are you laughing? This is what I'm going to do. I've heard, I've always heard. He was doing something in the in-between time. I can't wait to meet her. Abram, everyone's going to be like, Abraham, what's up? I'm going to be like, where's Sarah? 
Do you know the amount of humiliation she lived with? For years. Believing that God was going to do something that never did. You know, there's something in a mother's heart for children that, like, I just don't think that I'll ever fully understand until the Lord shows it to me. But she lived with so much humiliation. She tried to fix it on her own. She tried to do all this stuff. But in the in-between time, I'm here to tell you something. She was looking upward. She didn't become bitter and closed off. She recognized God's voice. When they showed up, she made these men that showed up that rep that God was with them. Jesus was with them in the form of an angel or a person. They recognized and they called these, them Lord and they like gave them their very best. And then God spoke a blessing over her. She was living with these heart postures. This woman's an inspiration. She gets a couple of verses, but if you read between the lines, there's a lot more going on. The picture of looking forward. It's living for what God will do. It's living our every days with like a deliberate momentum. You can, you can have deliberate momentum. Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah had it. We know it because Hebrews 11 tells us why. Remember the snapshots? Let's check these verses out and we'll end right here. By faith, posture. Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Why? Because he was looking forward to a city with real foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was living for not just now, but God, what God will do. And we are encouraged to have this mindset as well. Peter, who was one, the dude who was with Jesus when he was transfigured on the mountain, who denied Jesus three times, and then God's like, oh, you're pastor material. <laughs> Feed my sheep. Years later, Peter writes, beloved, he's writing to his church. He's like, you guys, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Sojourner is a fancy term for just passing through. And exiles means someone who lives there, but it's not your homeland. You guys, this is who we are. I got to He's like, I just want to tell you, I got to leave you with this. Beware. Watch out and abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He's like, when you believe certain things, are going to happen, it changes the way you live. We just went to Stephen's Pass yesterday, go snowboarding, super fun. And Steph and I were talking on the way about just life. And 
you know, just like connecting and thinking about why do we do the things that we do? And we just get to, it's like, at the end of the day, we believe that this is not the end. I went to a memorial um, of just the sweetest lady who actually used to go to the bridge. And um, do you guys remember Ruben and Linda Valle and Andrew and Janet? Well, it's Andrew's grandma, Andrew and Janet's grandma, and Ruby and and Jonah's great-grandma, and Pastor Reuben and Linda, it's, it was Linda's mom, you know? And I went to her, her memorial service on Friday, and she's with the Lord, and like, it was now. And like, people were sharing about her life and, and all of this stuff, but it's like, dude, she had purpose. She had heart postures. And these things, they, they tend to surface as people get to the very end. You hear stories and and, and people are like, man, they were just really looking to be with Jesus. Or if you haven't been walking with Jesus your whole life and death is coming, it kind of rearranges important things. But you don't have to wait for the end to have momentum, to have like things that we're thinking about and thinking about the future because there's going to be generations after us. We're going to keep going until God returns and sets everything right, we want to have an openness to what he's doing. We want to have um, an, a posture of being set apart for what he's doing. So here's the in conclusion. The in between, in the in-between time, there's life to be lived. You have decisions to make. There are kids to raise. There are jobs to be worked. There are people to be endured and encountered. There are church services to be planned. There are messages to be prepared and studied for. There's weather to be dealt with. There are sicknesses to be had. This is Tuesday faith. This is regular old faith. The heart postures we have every day is what God can use to show us who he is and show the world who he is through us. It's doing stuff in your life, I promise you. Here's the beauty on living on this side of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The invitation to you today is to have these open postures towards God. I call them the open-handed things. It's where we hold things that he puts us with an open hand and it's just stewarding. Here's the temptation to grab a hold and do, just take the, take it, whatever I'm trying to say, and just do your own thing. But you can't because the life that we live, we now live by faith. So the second invitation is not to walk this path alone and just do some cool Christian-y things in your life. The real invitation is to open up who you are and ask, the pos this posture is an invitation to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to be with you and help you in your life. And it may not look like this big flashy fireworks thing, it might just look like motivation. It might just look like encouraging someone when you're the one who's down. It might just look like getting up and opening your Bible and asking God to speak to you, even though you're discouraged and sort of mad that you're in the season that you're in. That's 
the Holy Spirit, what he does, he points us to Jesus. He gives us encouragement. He is the comforter. He aims us at Jesus. So we're going to end, and I want to pray, and I just want to pray a prayer of like, I'm thinking the response to this is like that song. There's like a sense of, Lord, if I've been off, I'm sorry. I want to re-aim. I want to refocus. I pray that you would put these postures in my life. And then there's just going to be an invitation for him to do that and for the spirit to come in. And maybe some of you have never asked the Holy Spirit to come into your life and show you something about God. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a way of saying, um, I'll let you drive if you want. It's a prayer of putting your, yourself aside and letting God kind of have some control, have some authority. And then the postures and your, your rhythms show um, kind of the decisions that you're making in your heart and in your spirit. And some of you have grown up in church forever and you've heard stuff and you're like, yeah, you know, I can't change your heart. I just can tell you, hopefully um, let you know what God thinks about you and the plans he has for you. But sometimes he speaks to us and he wants us to respond. You can call it repentance. It means to turn around and be like, man, I've been walking this way. It's not getting me anywhere. I want to walk this way. It's admitting that you've kind of been on your own. It's not working. That's your own thing. The, it's like, it's called sin. It's, it's, it's missing the mark of what God has for you because you've been driving yourself. And he's like, I don't, you don't have to do that. So I just want to close us in that prayer. And um, if you're with me, your heart is with mine in that, then as I'm praying, you, know, you just got to be like, yes, Lord, me too. Okay? So, Father, we thank you for today. And um, I know that was a, a lot of words, but I pray in the, in the multitude of those words, your heart toward us was made a little bit clearer. Your love for us was made a little bit clearer, and your path for us maybe was um, defined a little bit. And so, Lord, I just want to say that um, I believe you. 